0: Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today and our topic is strip till. If you've got any questions about that or anything else that's going on in your farm, we'd love to hear from you today. Our phone lines will be open 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can email us radio at agphd.com or find us on Twitter, AgPHD Media, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. So, you have by now heard about everything there probably is to hear about the whole coronavirus thing. Just to give you an idea of what we're doing today, Darren and I are practicing social distancing because I made Darren call in. Well, I didn't make him. He chose to call in rather than sit in the studio with me. Who knows if either one of us is affected, but when we're literally all by ourselves, I feel pretty good. So, with with this whole coronavirus thing that's that's probably the biggest thing that i have said to farmers is you know what on your farm most of the time you're working all by yourself so i wouldn't get too concerned about it but the number one thing i would suggest is why don't you get everything you need for spring right now because we don't know how long this whole thing is going to last darren you got any comments to open the show on coronavirus or anything else
1: Well, I I guess we'll find out how this all plays out here in the next few weeks, but I agree with you that there's a lot of crazy stuff, and people are pretty nervous and trying to be extra cautious. And a good way to avoid any potential things that would hold you up on the farm are to be thinking ahead. So that means talking to your suppliers, finding out what you can pick up. You know, if you're really nervous, and and I've had this question from a few guys saying, man, I'm 65 years old. I'm in a high-risk group here. I've got a couple of health issues If I'm going to pick up from suppliers right now, that means I'm going to get exposed to people. Not necessarily. You can always call ahead and talk about, hey, here's what I need for seed, and I'm not even going to get out of my cab. You already have my money. I've already prepaid for stuff, or I'll send a check in, or here's my credit card number, or whatever the case may be. You don't even have to necessarily be in contact with anybody else. Somebody can just load your trailer, and then you pull it away. So there's a lot of ways that you can do it. Yeah, the biggest
0: question I've had is about supplies. A lot of people concerned about supply, especially when they realize, like with ag chemical products, for example, a lot of those do come out of China, and that's true. But what I've been telling people is... You might not have realized this before, but almost everything that gets used this year was made last year or the year before. So it was made a long time ago. It was shipped a long time ago. And almost everything is already on hand here in the United States. Now it might not be at your retailer, but it's somewhere already here, and it's probably not far away. Plus, a lot of retailers have seen some of this stuff coming, and so they've loaded up extra amounts real early. So I would just say pick product up right now. There's no reason not to, other than the the biggest concern might be freezables. So if you say, well, look, I don't have a heated place to put stuff. What do you suggest? We have something at agphd.com under our resources tab. You can go to that where we've got a lot of products listed and what the minimum storage temperature is. So if the minimum is no minimum then you're totally good if the minimum is 0 degrees you're probably good in most areas but the the and by the way that's 0 degrees fahrenheit all our stuff is in fahrenheit for for our canadian listeners but i would just say Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of concern taking some liquid products this early, but many farmers have heated places to put stuff, and certainly you can get all your seed products, you can get all the dry pesticides you'd be using. Just at least start making plans even for the other stuff to get those early so your supplier has stuff in, you're all ready to go, and like Darren said, you don't even have to come in contact with a person. If you don't want to, just talk to them on the phone, show up, they'll load your vehicle, you can take off, and there you go.
1: Yeah, the important thing is, for the farm, I look at how timely planting makes us money. And I don't want to ever risk that, that, hey, it's 70 degrees and the soil's fit and I could be planting and, oh yeah, I need to go find some seed. Or, oh yeah, I need to go get my pre-emerge herbicide. I want to be ahead of the game on all those things, so I'm in control on the farm. That's, That's how you know you're going to make some money.
0: Yeah, I often find that it's some of the nicest spraying days, when a lot of people want to pick product up. So we'd really encourage you, have product on hand. Darren mentioned timeliness of planting. Or
1: spray product, Brian. Not just planting, you look at how many good spray days do you get in the spring. It's oftentimes windy, the weather conditions are changing, and you happen to find that one day where field conditions are fit and there's virtually no wind and it's a great day to get that pre-emerged soil applied herbicide out there or possibly a burn down herbicide depending on where you're at. Wow, you don't want to miss those days.
0: Yeah, the other thing that I I will mention, and I've talked about this a little bit in the last couple of weeks, we've been spraying for a couple of weeks now, we've been spreading fertilizer for a couple of weeks now, and you might say, wait a second, don't you guys farm in South Dakota? Isn't the ground froze? Yeah, it is, and it's perfect. It's frozen in the mornings, thawing in the afternoons. That's absolutely what we're looking for. And then when we get any rain or any snowfall, that pushes that stuff into the ground. During the thaw each afternoon, we find the fertilizer and the herbicide attach themselves to soil and it works great. We've been doing this for decades now. It is a fantastic way to spread your workload out to get better performance out of your fertilizer and your herbicide because it's on there earlier it has more chance to get rained in and get down into where things are germinating in the case of herbicide or where things are going to have root where plants are going to have roots your crops are going to have roots in the case of fertilizer so my point is when you are picking product up now don't stop there consider spraying early and spraying earlier than normal Most farm operations that I've worked with over the years, it's a one-man show or maybe two people that are working on the farm. Not a lot of people. The other thing is I I just was talking to a large farmer this morning who said the HTA program, H2A program, is basically on hold for a while. So a lot of farmers have gotten workers from foreign countries. That's probably not going to happen much for this spring, if at all. So if you've got more work to do on your farm, try to figure out ways to spread that workload out you hopefully can still get a lot of things done all by yourself you don't have to rely on custom applicators or anything else if you can just figure out a way to spread that workload out you should be in good shape well again today on the show we're going to talk a little about strip till if you'd like to call in it's 844-44-AG-PHD stay tuned
2: hey bill advice to control tough weeds and rootworms? That's easy, Jim. Buy two,
3: save three. Wait, for weeds and rootworms? Buy two, save three. Combine your Impact or new Impact Z herbicide purchase with a qualifying insecticide and save three dollars per acre. Buy two, save three. That is good advice.
4: For details, go to buy2save3.com. Impact, Impact Z, and buy2save3 are trademarks owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions.
3: Your grain bin fans can cost you a lot. High electric bills from running when conditions are not ideal, shrinkage from overdried grain, and spoiled grain all take money out of your pocket. With the Steps GMS app temperature-humidity switch, get your bin fans to start making you money. Only run vans when the conditions are right. Eliminate shrink and spoilage in your bins. Deliver grain in top condition at market moisture. When every dollar counts, you need Steps GMS. Contact us today at stepsgms.com.
4: Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy, all the way down to the last drop. AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com.
3: Grain Temp Guard from Farm Shop MFG has helped farmers keep their bushels safe from spoilage and shrinkage loss in bins all across the country. And this low-cost solution just became even more affordable. Farm Shop MFG is offering a $100 factory rebate on all Grain Temp Guard bin monitoring systems. This offer is available for a limited time only, so take advantage of this program now to upgrade your bins and protect your crop investments. For more information, visit FarmShopMFG.com.
0: Welcome back to Ag PhD radio live from the Morton studio today on the show. We're talking a little about strip tillage and first we're going to get to the phone lines. We've got Chris calling in from out in Wyoming. Hey Chris, how are you today?
3: Pretty good today. How are you Brian?
0: I'm doing just fine so far. So we're talking a little about strip till today and I know you've done some of that in the past. Can you tell us just a little bit about your experience on your farm?
3: We really headed that way for fertilizer placement. That was really the first reason we were thinking that we would want to try it to doing it that way. And, and we just really we like where we're placing it. We've seen, um, well, we've tried it over several different years. Depth of a placement. If we get it too far away from the seed, that can be a problem. And so, really, we're focusing on where we want it, where where we grow corn and edible beans. And so, we want to adjust that so that it fits the crop a little bit better. And so it's taken several years to kind of figure out where that kind of sweet spot is, and it can be different based on conditions in the spring, too. But sure, that was the first reason we went that way. And another thing we've seen behind edible beans where we go to corn, it can be pretty bare ground, so you don't have a lot of residue, but you see even a bump of maybe 7 or 8 degrees of soil temp difference even behind bare ground. So in corn, obviously, that makes sense. But even in bare ground, it tends to warm it up quite a bit. And so when you can push that soil temp early in the year and warm it up, it really helps it to go through those areas where it fluctuates so much. So that's really done a good job for us.
0: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. All right, so coming back to the fertilizer placement, you said finding the sweet spot. What do you now think the sweet spot is in most cases, and you said, yeah, it's going to vary depending on the spring and, and the weather and all that kind of stuff. But, I, I mean, do you have kind of a general range where you're trying to get that fertilizer down to where you've had the best success?
3: So, in corn, basically it's zero four. 4 So, we're shooting for two under the plant. And then in beans, edible beans, we're a little bit deeper than that because we plant them deeper to start with. But that's kind of where one year, we what you could do do a placement or wherever you want, but we found we got it too far away and then it just, it never really got to the nitrogen. It couldn't, it chased it away and it, it just showed it was short all year. So we found that it needs to be high, basically under the seat. So it's kind of like two by two, but it's zero two.
0: Okay. Now you mentioned nitrogen. Are you putting on phosphorus, potassium, micronutrients? I mean, what what all are you putting into that band?
3: So are we put all that with our planter. We had switched to some agri-liquid stuff, so we put that all okay. with our planter, the potassium and, and our, our uh, phosphorus and all that's with our planter. But with the strip tail, we're doing nitrogen, and we're adding a little bit of uh, boron and copper that we found that seems to help. Yep. And so those are the three things we add with the strip till and everything else is in the burrow with planner.
0: Okay. Yeah. And I really wanted to clarify that because with nitrogen and boron, they can move down with moisture. And so I agree with you a hundred percent. We want those a little bit closer to the seed because they have a tendency to get away from us sometimes, especially in some lighter soils. We've had good yep. success with like phosphorus and potassium in the strip down deeper because they don't move. So I think that's, that, that's one very important thing for any of our listeners out there just kind of keep in mind fertilizers have different uh, properties in that soil so when you're going with more of the leachables nitrogen boron sulfur a little bit more shallow usually works better phosphorus potassium some of those kind of things you can go either way if you chose to now i, I guess the last question that i got for you here shank or coulter have you used both what it, what, what do you like there
3: So we use a shank. We're really close to where Schlegel manufacturing is made. And so they were some of the first people, I think maybe that I know of, at least for sure, that was doing strip till. The guy that started this out, his name was Ron Schlegel. He started it in the late 80s. I remember them being around and Mm -hmm. they would take them around to people's farms to try out. And so they were kind of some of the people that were the early ones with that. And we've been, they've had bigger shanks and they switched to a three quarter shank maybe 10 years ago, or maybe not quite that long ago. And and they make a couple different type of products, but we we like the shank. We got some rock protection with that. We do have some rocks out in Wyoming, and so we got to be able to protect ourselves that way. But yeah, that's what we've been using, and we can adjust our our depths with how we're doing that. And we like the way that one works.
0: All right, sounds good. Well, hey Chris, we want to wish you the best here going into the spring season, and uh, hope you have a great year.
3: All right, same to you guys. All
0: right, you bet. Yeah, thanks a lot. All right, let's go next to Dell out in Michigan. Hey, Dell, how are you today?
5: I'm fine, thank you. I have about three questions sure. about strip
6: till. Sure. How many rows at a time do you strip till, and is it the same number of rows as the planter, and do you use the same tire tracks for strip tillage as you do when you plant later in the spring uh, for compaction, and does the strip till machine offset from the tires. And my last question is, is your strip, till and planter accurate enough that you it don't matter where you plant at because the guest row is so accurate that it's the same all the way across the field? Thank you. I love your show.
0: <laughs> you bet. Yeah, thanks, Phil. So, and you can sure hang out. Oh, yeah, he, he already hung out, but that's fine. I'll answer all those questions. So first of all, on our machine, so what we're doing on our farm, there are obviously lots of different ways to do this. We run a 24-row planter and a lot of people now have gone to bigger planters. Well, if you're going to go out there and pull something that's 24 rows, you can do it when it's just a planter. But when it's a strip-till machine and in some cases you're going pretty deep, that gets to be pretty challenging. So you don't see a lot of 24 row strip-till machines. That would get awfully spendy and you'd have to have a tremendous amount of horsepower. So what we're running is a 12 row strip-till machine and even that does take a fair amount of horsepower if I want to go deep. But Anyway, we are not matching that up with tire tracks exactly because you think about this, if I've got a 24-row planter, my my wheels are going to be in the middle. Well, if I've got a 12-row strip-tail machine, then my wheels are in the middle. I mean, my tire tracks are in the middle for each of that. So I am making multiple tracks out there, but it's not a real big deal it is nevertheless slightly concerning, and so we would always tell you, "Hey, make sure you're doing everything you can to leave a good berm, leave a good strip, basically, so you can go ahead and plant into that without having lots of problems." But we have we've done this for let's see, we've been doing a lot of strip till, roughly. Okay, so I better step back. We farm about three thousand acres in southeast South Dakota. We've done about half strip till for fifteen plus years now, and. So I can tell you in a lot of different experiences, a lot of different machines that we've run, shanks, coulters, everything else. Anyway, he said, let's see, uh, strip-till and and how is that matching up with the planter? Yes, it is fairly accurate because we are running RTK. Now, if you're not running RTK, it's still going to be pretty accurate. And you're going to be able to follow it fairly well if you're running a different size machine of strip-till Versus planter. So, like for us running two 12 row strips and then one 24 row planter, we do find that it works quite well. I, I would tell you though, my biggest concern when we first started strip tilling years ago was we have a lot of rolling hills. Now, most of them aren't super steep or anything like that, but still, I was worried about, you know, how about that drag on the planter? And am I going to be able to follow that contour perfectly just like the strip till machine? follow that contour. So yeah, we got RTK and all that stuff's nice, but how accurate is that when you start farming in the contour and in the hills and everything else? So anyway, our study was basically this. We said, all right, we're, we're doing 30 intros. Let's go out and put strips in and let's plant directly over the strip. Then let's plant over every five inches to see how far away our yield gets affected. And basically what we found is if we were planting right over the row, obviously that was ideal. But if we were within about 5 inches to either side, basically to the edge of the, of the strip, if we stay in that strip somewhere, then our yield was barely negatively impacted. So I'm not going to say it was perfect, but it, it was really close. Close enough where it doesn't really, to us, make any difference. But once we got off that strip then, yes, we were giving up some degree of yield. And it all depends, really, on the year. So already mentioned today was, hey, warmer, <laughs> yep, that's a big deal. So if you have a spring that's cold, well, being in that warm berm is going to be nice. What we found, too, even if we were 15 inches off, so we were literally in the exact wrong spot, we dug rip pits that summer and then we found you know what our roots actually did find the strip they did find the fertility they found it much later and so we think that's part of why the yield was affected so all i'm trying to say here is yes you don't have to have the same number of rows you can still do a pretty good job use rtk try to follow the strip as much as you can and you should be in good shape well stay tuned we'll continue talking strip till right after this
1: Avoid dry run failures with the new Hypro Force Field Pump. Providing the ultimate protection, this wet seal pump will save you on costly in-season downtime to keep your sprayer running. Now
3: all you have to worry about is the weather. Hypro, helping you spray better. How much yield did you lose the moment you planted your seed? Introducing the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Designed and built by a farmer tired of seeing yield loss from poor stands, the Germinator gives your crop the strong start it needs for maximum yield. Visit farmshopmfg.com.
2: What do you think of when you hear Palmer, Amaranth, or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions.
7: Before it's too late and white mold becomes a problem, you need to ask your seed dealer for heads up seed treatment. When raising soybeans in the Midwest, you know the risk of being caught unprepared. As heard on Ag PhD, there are several steps you can take prior to planting for a successful management plan against white mold compatible and cost-effective season-long protection starts now by asking your seed dealer to apply heads up to your 2020 bean seed order for more information visit headsupst.com
4: ReviTech fungicide from basf has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise if you think good is good enough if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving if average is your goal this is not the fungicide for you ReviTech fungicide Brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions.
3: When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a
4: Roundup Ready Extend crop system. The system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. Featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough-to-control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field-proven performance of Roundup Ready-to-Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit roundupreadyextend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state.
0: Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here live in the Morton studio. We're talking a little about strip-till today, but we'd be happy to take any questions you've got for us. 844-44-AG-PHD. That's what Zane did. He's calling in from Wisconsin. Zane, how's it going today?
8: Oh, not too bad. I hear I he's... Got, uh, we're setting up our planner this year to sure. put on 2 sure. by 2 Okay. And uh, I couldn't find no cultures. I, I could uh, found reasonable that were in decent shape. I didn't want to buy new because it's old white uh 5100 planter okay so i got the dry fertilizer coulters but we got liquid on it i put liquid in a row three to five gallons depending on the field i'm looking to go two by two i remember years ago guys welded tubes inside there for the liquid fertilizer to go down did they put like a drag hose on the bottom of there to follow in the furrow at the base of it or uh or what size tube did they run or what size should i run Okay. I'm about 15 gallons for the acre, sure. I'm thinking.
0: All right. So I'll first tell you, I don't remember off the top of my head what the guys were doing, but to, to think about a drag hose going in there, I really doubt that's, that's what ended up happening. Uh, okay. I, so... I what what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna have so as soon as we get done talking, I'm gonna have you hang on and talk to our producer here real quick, and she'll get you in okay. touch with uh, Mike Bembom. Every once in a while, we have him on the show here to talk about equipment issues like this. He's more of an okay. expert on that, and he could probably he'll probably know exactly what you're talking about and remember that. I don't remember every single culture that's been out there or anything like that, but I will say this. When you say your stuff that you're doing in-furrow, you talked about that, you're adding yep. this to it, so you're still going to do in-furrow and two-by-two? Two? I guess I'm that's d- my question.
8: Yep, I'm doing in-furrow, and then I'm going to add two-by-two. In-furrow, got a electric pump for that to vary the rate. Now I'm putting a squeeze pump on the planter to do that
0: two-by-two with it, too. Gotcha. So is the point that you just wanted to get more fertility out, but you knew you couldn't put more on in-furrow, it hurt the seed, or, or what's going on? Yes,
8: that's that's my concern. I don't
0: want to put that hurt the seed. Yep, yep, gotcha. Yeah, a lot of people are going to that. We are big believers in that. couple of comments that I would make real quick. So you're going to hear a lot of the really high-yield guys, and, and some of them will come on this show here talking about this, too. They're now going to because they want to put lots of fertilizer on two by two on each side of the row. So that's the next thing. You're talking about going on to one side and I get that, you know, a lot of people are doing that, putting more out. Instead of just all in furrow, they realize, ooh, yeah, too much is going to hurt the seed. I'm going one side. Well, now they want to run more. So now they're going on each side. The next thing is that these guys will usually talk about is trying to keep those coulters separate from the row unit because sometimes that can lead to issues moving the row unit upward down and then the seed placement isn't perfect so that's probably our number yep. one concern for you always is just well, that's, yeah go ahead
8: I, I got that covered because i got a regular toolbar across the front <laughs>
0: fantastic
8: and I got, uh, the old uh, drive fertilizer coulters is what i'm using yep and i know years ago when they first come out with that a lot of guys that today world like a 3 pipe going down yep. right inside that fertilizer tool
0: going yep. down. Yep. Yeah. So. And, and, yeah, and I don't think there was any kind of drag hose or anything. I think they're just dribbling it down there, but, um, I'll have Janelle get you in touch with Mike Bembom. He can answer that question more specifically. And, uh, thanks a lot for calling today, Zane. Good luck to All you. Right. Yep. Just yep, hang on for you. me just a minute here. I'll get you in touch with Janelle. All right. Uh, next on, we've got Dave Sender. He is with environmental tillage systems. You may be familiar with the soil warrior. Dave, how are you doing today?
9: I'm doing good, doing well. How are you doing
8: today?
0: Excellent. So I'm just curious, what kind of questions are you getting now going into the spring? What are probably the most popular two or three questions you're getting about strip till?
9: Oh, I guess uh, kind of it's usually pretty much the same questions uh, as far as the top three, I would say and, uh, it seems to be the same way year after year, but um, you know, one of them would be uh, kind of Fertilizer, what other fertilizer placements and what we would recommend. And and, uh, the next part would be, um, you know, I think it just has to do with the the times that we've had the last few years. But what do I do when it's wet? Um, That's usually a pretty popular one. And um, uh, and, and I guess the third one is a little different. It's kind of been evolving, but has to do more with technology side of things, uh, variable rate applications, um, along with... uh, guidance technology questions Um, more and more questions coming coming forth uh,
10: along that line
0: yeah and I totally get it on the variable rate thing but when it comes to variable rate strip till what we find a lot of times is people are putting on just basically crop removal rate so it's not like they're trying many people in my experience are trying to build soil fertility levels they're just trying to feed this year's crop is that kind of what you see as well
9: Yes, yes. Um, especially with guys that are first starting out in strip-till. I guess yep. I've always looked at it, and when we talk to guys, we talk about really kind of an evolution of strip-till and how that goes. And, and needless to say, there's also variables that go into uh, come into play when you're talking about uh, fertility and crop removal rates, Um Primarily, uh, when it's owned ground versus rented ground, uh, you know really how much control you've got over that ground and, and what it's going to look like in the future. Yep. Um, you know, so th- those things need to be taken into consideration at the very least when we're talking with guys, and and, and again when they're starting out on strip till, we'll always talk about at a minimum doing crop removal rates, right? And and then kind of grow from there, depending on what their, mm-hmm. their plans and goals are, and again, you know, what the situation is with, with the ground that they're farming.
0: Yeah, we've got some where we're doing manure or different applications a lot of years and I've I've taken it too as a different approach to say, hey, this might be my only shot on some of my ground, strip tilling it in the next whatever, three to five years. So I am going to put more stuff deep and use a little bit more of a build program because I want my deeper soil built up more. You know, a lot of that manure ends up being in the top four to at the most six inches and I just am not getting enough deep. So lots of different things that a guy can do with that. But I wanted to come back to, you mentioned wet soils. So with the coulters that you guys run, we've had pretty good success. We did a bunch of this last spring too. We don't normally like to do our strip till in the spring. We prefer to do our strip till in the fall. So we get the work done, but you know, a lot of people have been just behind the eight ball here the last couple of years. And we find with the coulters, it works pretty well. It's just, you probably shouldn't go very deep. What, what kind of recommendations do you usually have in these wetter conditions?
9: Yeah. So, so yeah, one of the first ones would be depth. Yeah, you don't typically want to go too deep, but if, again, for a number of reasons, but you have to look at what your subsoil is. Um, and, and a lot of times, there's just not a lot of reason to, to go deep. Um, but it, it really depends, it, and that's with anything with agriculture, you always get the it depends uh, statement in there. But you know, a lot of it has to do with soil types, um, you know, ranging from you know, a lot of the area that I focus on is, is in Minnesota and Wisconsin, uh, get in parts of Michigan. And and you see, I see a lot of different soil types, but, um, you know, when you get into areas of southern Minnesota, for example, it's a really, really heavy soils, And you get into areas of Wisconsin, you get some pretty light sandier soils. Um, but there's one thing that's always remained pretty constant with running in wetter soils, and this is where the culture machine comes in really nice, is that a way to combat that, that moisture is speed. And uh, we're typically going to tell guys to run uh, on the low end, typically between 6 miles an hour uh, up to eight, ten miles an hour. And when you run with that speed in those cultures, not only does that help, um, keep all your blades and everything clean but it does a really nice job of of, of, uh, of that tillage and, and getting that seed bed prepared but but the other uh, result of that is you're getting a lot of nice blending and mixing of that fertilizer so even if you're only say your goal is only to go three four inches deep in the spring you're still going to have a nice not only nice seedbed from a soil consistency standpoint you're going to have a nice safe seedbed for the way that fertilizer's placed in there, and you're not going to have to really worry about any type of seed burn or any any type of uh, hazardous environment for that seed to go into.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, Dave, I'm going to bring Mark on. He's calling in from Illinois, and he wanted to know about strip-till and how soon afterwards can you plant without collapsing that strip. Does that sound right, Mark? Mm -hmm. That
6: does. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, Yeah, my biggest concern is I'm running a shank machine, and this is new to our operation. We've been doing uh, loose strip till using anhydrous for several years in the fall. And a couple hey, of years ago, we hey, hey, and hey, started
0: going. Hey, hey Mark, I got to apologize. We're we're up against commercial break here. I want to. I'm going to have Dave come back on too, and we'll talk about your question right after this. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio.
7: Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic insecticides from Atticus LLC unwanted insects are a nuisance but they're no match for serpent from atticus serpent delivers economical fast-acting broad-spectrum control to help your corn soybeans and wheat crops thrive growers across the region count on atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time ask your local retailer about atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more for value-based solutions you can trust turn to atticus always read and follow label instructions
4: success isn't just about maintaining your operation how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy all the way down to the last drop. AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com.
2: Bean growers continue to see yield loss from white mold across the Midwest this season. To maximize next year's crop, a white mold prevention strategy that includes Contans WG soil fungicide is a must for your farming operation. Applying Contans this fall to reduce the sclerotia in the soil is the most effective way to stop white mold at its source. Go to WhitemoldControl.com to learn more about the Contans No Risk Guarantee. Start a Contans white mold control strategy this fall or pay for it later in lost yield.
4: You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen from conception to completion. There's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit MortonBuildings.com.
2: What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use Fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions.
7: You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and Nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky Herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy to handle formulation. <laughs> Goose deck tow package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at OpenSkyHerbicide.com.
0: Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio, talking strip-till today. If you want to call in, it's 844 44 ag So... Right before the break, we were talking to Dave Sender with Environmental Tillage Systems. You probably are familiar with the Soil Warrior. And then I also had Mark call in from Illinois. And I figured, uh, and Dave, I hope you don't mind, but I figured I'd leave you on for this so we could answer Mark's question, and uh, and we'll see how that goes. But Mark, Mark, you were just saying you've had you have a shank machine, and that's why you're worried about how long after you run that machine until you can go back in and safely plant. Correct.
6: Sure. Right, because I've heard some guys mention uh, soil, co- you know, kind of the berm collapse. Yep. If we go in too soon. So I'm, you know, ideally we were hoping for a nice March to be able to do our yep. trips that since yep. we didn't get done last fall. So I've had this machine for two years and have yet to run it yet because of the falls yeah. that we've had. So Yep. So I, I'm optimistic yet to still be able to get in the first part of April, but I didn't know like I said, I've got a shank type strip till bar that we'll be putting dry on my P and my K. Sure. On that way.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So Dave, what's what's your opinion on
6: yeah. that? So
9: well the first question I would ask would be if if Mark's got rolling baskets uh on that I do. On that unit. Yeah. Okay. So well that's, that's change. change. Yep. So that's going to help uh, break up some of the, the clotting and yeah. I don't know if it's you know if it's adjustable where you can can have some some sort of downforce applied on on uh, yes. strips. But the biggest consideration when running with a shank like that, especially in the the spring, which a lot of times yeah, when you when you hear guys, and I'm sure you've probably heard it as you've been doing some research that running with a shank is in the spring is. Is, it can be a nerve-wracking uh, endeavor, and it's sometimes kind of a no-no, but um, really the, the biggest thing you want to you know, watch out for is, I'll say it this way, you want that strip that to kind of uh, settle out a little bit. Um,
6: sure. Because
9: you're going to have concerns with um, potential seed placement, really more than anything, between the... Potential air pockets that you could possibly encounter when you're working mm-hmm. with the shank in the spring, uh, as well as a kind of a lumpier strip that will cause your planter row units to really kind of just go up and down for lack vary. of a And, and, and yep. you know, vary in that depth, so your seed placement can be uh, kind of sporadic. And, and what the result of that is, is potentially uh, running into. You know some inconsistent stands with regards to emergence, as well as <laughs> um, different uh, different uh, sized or aged uh, plants. So you can get some runs and skips and so on and so forth. So, so those are the biggest things to consider. So I mean, if you run with a basket, that'll help kind of you know level some things out and compress that that strip and try to avoid some of those air pockets. It'll it'll
0: storage. help, but Dave, let's let's put it this way: we, with a shank machine, I, what what I would generally tell guys is, I'd like to see a rain on it, and if we get a rain For on sure. it, then I'm going to feel pretty good after that. We've run it's Mark there. Coulter machines in the spring, and then I don't get too worried. In fact, last year we had a bunch where we literally planted the same day or the day after, and it turned out pretty good. I don't want to do that, but we were you know sure. really behind the eight ball last spring. So yeah, ideally with any machine, if I can get a rain on it, uh, that would be great. And especially with the Absolutely. shank machine, then I, I'm really going to feel a lot more comfortable. Uh, Dave, you good with yes. that?
9: You bet. That's, that's all a right. Great way to sum it up.
0: Okay, so again, we've been talking to that's Dave excellent. Sender thanks, with Environmental Mark. Tillage thanks, Systems. Dave. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate that. And uh, Mark, thanks for the call. Really appreciate it. Good luck this spring. You bet. Yep. Thanks.
5: You as well. Thanks.
0: Thanks. All right, we got Gordon calling in now. Want to talk about zinc just a little bit, Gordon? How you doing today?
5: Doing good. Yeah. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. I got a question about zinc. Um, we've got, uh, because of our manure applications, we've got areas within the fields that are quite high in phosphorus. <laughs> yep. Familiar it's, with
10: that.
0: It's like
5: like 100, 150 parts per million or so. Okay. And the zinc levels are okay, but they're nowhere in concert with the phosphorus levels. And um, I got one, one two in particular, uh, about an acre and a half, two acres of uh, zone sampling. Yep. And um, it's, it's it's suggesting that if I was to do a 10 to 1 ratio of phosphorus to zinc, um, I'm going to need, in some, in some spots, the worst spots, as much as 25 pounds of actual zinc. Uh, average, though, for the whole field is about 9. And so I'm weighing the, the thoughts of doing that and, in, in, you know, wondering what kind of increase in corn yields might I expect. And maybe not necessarily just the first year, but the, the first two years. I don't know if you can quantify that at all. <laughs>
0: It's, yeah, that that's really tough. So let me let me tell you a couple of things first, or, or I guess I've got one question to begin with. That 25 pounds that it's calling for, is that because you're roughly 12 parts per million short? Or how many pounds are you figuring of actual zinc it's going to take to raise the soil test a part per million? Uh,
5: I wasn't looking at it that way, well. at least I don't think I was. I was just trying to, if I had, say, 300 pounds of phosphorus in okay. that location, I wanted 30 pounds of zinc. Okay. So yep. All right. Gotcha. I just set up a spreadsheet to show me what it would be Perfect. for every location.
0: Yep. Then we're good. We did a bunch of this work ourselves here over the last probably six or seven years. I mean, literally exactly what you were talking about. And I assume you're going to go out there with zinc sulfate. Are you going to do that broadcast? What was your thought?
5: Yeah, zinc sulfate. Yep. And uh, variable rate it.
0: Yep. Okay. So one problem we ran into is we had issues with the spreader in a couple of cases and we were supposed to yeah. get a lower rate on. Make sure you actually get the lower rate on. Otherwise, we over applied in a few spots that we weren't trying to do that. But yeah, I really don't have any big issue with that. I'm, I'm perfectly fine if you want to do that. Now, in terms of how much yield you can gain you know, that's it's really, really hard. But if it's it's manured ground and all the other things are pretty well taken care of. So you got good levels of phosphorus and potassium, sulfur and all those kind of things, the zinc I mean, it might be ten or twenty bushels. And I okay. I'll tell you on our farm, each of the last two falls, we have done work where we matched up every zone that we did for grid sampling with yield points. And so we have what all that data is on over 2,000 points on our farm for two years in a row. So now I have, I I mean, concrete data showing me what this means for yield. And yeah, in some cases it literally is 20 bushels. So we are pretty big believers in that that ratio. I don't know what the exact right ratio is, whether it's 8 to 1, 10 to 1, whatever. Our data suggests it's in that but somewhere between eight to one and ten to one, but anyway, I do know that really legitimately is a thing to get phosphorus and zinc kind of in harmony, and then you're going to have a lot better yields.
5: Yeah, I know I can't just you know do a flat rate because there's are some areas of the field don't need any zinc. You know? Yep, they're, they're fine. Exactly. And, uh, so I got, I'm going to have to variable rate it, which we can do. So I yep. guess what we'll do. Yes, and right, that's. Well, th- thanks again.
0: Yeah, you bet. Yeah, thanks for calling in. Appreciate yep. it. All right, let's go next out to Wyoming. we got Butch calling in. Hey, Butch, how are you today?
11: Oh, pretty good. How are you doing?
0: Excellent. So we're talking strip-till today just a little bit, and I was kind of curious about your experience with strip-till over the last few years.
11: Uh, we've been doing it for probably 10 years, uh, kind of started. Um, yeah, I wouldn't go back <laughs> the other way again. I like it, where how, how we can place fertilizer and—, and uh, we put it in two different zones and uh, on the strip till machine and uh, we have variable rated stuff before and kind of have gotten into the last few years just kind of a solid rate just with the strip till just because of some of the yields going through the fields have varied to a point where I'm trying to get that high point I guess.
0: Yeah, gotcha.
11: So, um, uh, I'm just trying to figure that out right now.
0: Now you said so. two different zones. You mean you're placing fertilizer at two different points on the strip till machine, or what?
11: Yeah. Well, I'm placing it at the bottom, uh, about ten inches down, and then about halfway back up, at about four and a half. So I'm placing. Um, yes. Yeah. So so we're in two different zones in this trench, and then when I come back in and plant, I'm set up with infro. Yeah. And so I'll put micros and uh, stuff in furrow there.
0: Yep, absolutely. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, hey, Butch, we are up against a break here. If you want to hang on for, for just a minute, we would like to talk to you just a little bit more, if that'd be okay.
11: Uh, yeah, that's fine.
0: Okay, sounds good. Alright, again, today on the show we are talking about strip-till. If you've got a question for us or anything you'd like to talk about going on in your farm, just call us here, 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned, we'll be right back.
2: Challenging field conditions often make harvest difficult. Can your corn head handle it? The GTS X10 corn head from Agra US is a rugged, cost-effective alternative to heavier, more traditional heads. Constructed of durable, yet lightweight aluminum, the X10 puts less strain on your combine without losing harvest effectiveness. And it is 40% lighter than traditional heads, reducing field compaction in those less than ideal conditions. For more information, give us a
7: call at 8334-AGRA US.
9: Wherever you go. Whatever you're doing. Whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet. However, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash
11: farm your way. Hey, Adam. New drone? Not just any drone. I mounted a laser on it to take out weeds. Look out for that tree.
3: In the power line. Oh, it's in for the house.
0: There's a simpler way to protect spring wheat from weeds. Perfect Match Herbicide. The broadest spectrum weed and grass control in one product. Learn more at
7: perfectmatchherbicide.com. Always read and follow label directions.
0: The laser... Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio, live in the Morton studio. Right before the break, we were talking to Butch from out in Wyoming. Butch, sorry about that. Just had to take a quick commercial break there. But just, I, I wanted to get more into, you, you talk about this different placement level. I don't run into a lot of guys who say, hey, I'm putting some down at 10 inches and some at four and a half inches. How did you decide to do that?
11: Um, I guess I don't know. I, I guess <laughs> just doing a little research and then, my theory you guys would know more about it but my theory is is you put the infrarow so you got a little kicker there to get everything started you go down another four and a half inches whatever they hit that and then you get down to that 10 inch uh, nine to ten inch scenario so it's my theory take it for what it's worth but you know those roots are kind of hitting a pocket of fertilizer you know every three times and then by the time it gets down to that 10-inch, I mean, we're, we either side-dressed or are side-dressing to give it that little extra boost that it needs, you know, to get it, finish it. Yeah, um, yeah. We don't put anything on through the sprinklers at all. Um, I'm putting everything down, you know, whatever other nitrogen we need, then I'm side-dressing.
0: Sure. So, so yeah, I mean it makes absolute complete sense. Now I I know you have some small grains in, in at least some of your rotation too. Do you find it, when you put any small grain there after a year that you've had strip till, for example? So let's say it was strip till corn, just for example, and then you might come with a small grain a year or two later. Do you see any waviness in your oh, in yeah. your small grains?
11: Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. There and 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 I don't know if I do it right. I, like I said, I'm. Um, I go right down the same strip. I haven't wavered off of my strip since I started. Okay. So I haven't moved at all. So I have been in the same strip since I started strip tilling. But yes, it is. <laughs> it, it, when I'm planting weed, it is, yeah, you can tell higher, lower, all the way across the field.
0: Yeah. Most of the guys I've worked with that that also have small greens and small grains in that rotation, we talk about moving over ten inches one year, then ten inches another year. So then eventually they've got stuff every ten inches going across that field over a period of many years. But still, that that's one of the things that I've done with some guys to try to reduce that waviness. But yeah, as soon as as soon as you started talking about it and your different depth depths and everything, I'm like, ooh, that's that's a really good idea. But I wonder how it is in the uh, in the in the wheat. So how about for yeah, that,
11: you're, you're exactly right.
0: <laughs> so how about for other crops then are you using strip till before just corn or are you doing it in front of any of your other crops?
11: I do it I do it in front of all of them uh, I, We grow corn edible beans and uh, sugar beets sure and so I, I strip till all of those and and the only thing we won't of course is the wheat but then we'll just go back in the wheat stubble and strip till right there. Sure, you bet. And leave the stubble for wind erosion and everything.
0: Yeah. Yep. So I assume you broadcast fertilizer in front of the winter wheat then?
11: Uh actually um I started streaming. We we have info oh, set sure. up on our wheat drill. Yep. And so we put some info down and then I started streaming uh fertilizer on two years ago yeah. with the sprayer. So yep. that I like that a lot better.
0: Sure. All right. Well, hey, Butch, uh, thanks for all the information today. Really appreciate it. Very interesting. Sounds like you are certainly doing some good work out there in Wyoming, and we wish you the best of luck here this spring. Thank you very much. You bet. Thank you. All right. Next on the show, we got Chris Larson. He is with Case IH. Chris, how are you today?
10: I'm great, Brian. How are you?
0: Excellent. So, strip-till with Case IH. Anything new and different going into 2020 here?
10: Um. Overall, from far as the uh, ground engaging area, uh, not not terribly much there. Uh, mostly surrounding more of our application systems. Uh, you know, obviously we the, the five series air car are quite a, quite advanced and uh, have really gone to the way of, of extremely accurate metering and, and section control that mates up with uh, the air system. So that's probably the newest thing that we have kind of going as far as uh, um, you know the agronomics uh, and so forth.
0: Well, one of the other things I guess I would bring up when I was down at your little test farm or big test farm down in Arizona here last month is just how you can basically set up as I do a lot of computer stuff and I think of it as a macro where you can set things up. So at the end of the field, it can pick the machine up, slow down, you turn around, do all this stuff, and you can program that into some of your new tractor equipment that you've got. So that's got to help out a little bit too, doesn't it?
10: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the uh, the, the, the technology that we've integrated certainly not only from our tractors, but really a complete system, uh, from, from head to tail, uh, everything from, from, um, you know, the section controls to also the, the ability to, to pick the tool up and, uh, and certainly creating that ideal strip that you're really looking for.
0: Yeah. Accuracy when it comes to fertilizer placement is just tremendously important. And that's where I can see, you know, and as, as a, as a farmer, we we are able to handle these repetitious things, but it's much easier when the computer can do it for us. Okay. So let me ask you this going into the spring. Now, what kind of questions are you getting about strip till and with your machines?
10: Well, I think a lot of it just ends up being, um, you know, what do we have to offer and applications. You know, the 24 row bar has been starting to become more popular as folks have adopted uh, and moving more towards 24 row planners and such. Yes. Um, you know, I get, get to the uh, when, when, when to do it and, and how to do it. Obviously, are the, the questions that I think everyone kind of gets, and I, I certainly, uh, at least on our farm, see the see the use really in the spring for us in Iowa or in northeast Iowa for us. Doesn't necessarily mean that's for everybody, but you know those are the type of questions that I've seen.
0: Okay, so when you talk about a twenty-four row bar, I think the number one question a lot of guys are going to ask is, how much horsepower do I need for that thing? Because I'm going in deeper than what I'm going to run a planter at.
10: Yeah, well, yeah, you're certainly looking at uh, you know with our bar and depending on what what tank you're hauling, it's it's going to end up being that you know five plus five hundred horsepower plus uh, easily, yeah. and and. That, that depends really upon your terrain you get the hilly terrain it'll it'll take uh, about all you can find sometimes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, the advantage then is you are able to match up with the planter. We occasionally do have issues with that when we're running a 12-row machine in the 24-row planter. I'm not going to say it's bad or anything, but the other big thing, big advantage to this I could see is you're just able to get more acres done in a day, and I think that's one of the biggest questions farmers have today. We were talking earlier in the show about that H-2A program to get more help from foreign countries. Probably not going to happen for this year. I just uh, literally during the show had a guy text me and say, yep, foreign exchange students, all those people are getting sent home. So, I mean, this spring, uh, you know, we all could be a little bit shorthanded and having the bigger equipment, I I have to assume is going to really help out.
10: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is one of the things with strip till I'm sure the the callers and listeners have all had those questions. If you haven't tried it, I mean, it's, it is uh, potentially time consuming um, uh, with with the fertilizer and and, and all that that often is used. So, that efficiency is really critical but I mean I think the, the benefits even from what I've seen on our farm is, is really quite great.
0: Yeah, it 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 has been for us too. That's the really the number one thing I say to people as well is, you it it will take a little bit more time. But let's keep in mind we're doing our tillage pass and we're doing our fertilizer yeah. and we're setting the rows for where the planter is going to run. So now hopefully we've yeah. got a nice berm there and we are able to do a an even better job with the planter. Uh, Chris, we got about a minute left. Anything you want to leave our listeners with today as we head into the spring of twenty twenty?
10: Well, certainly, uh, you know. The, the the application of strip till if you haven't tried it man fi- find somebody that that uh, in your neighborhood maybe it's doing it and i i really encourage you to give it a shot it, it's 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 quite uh it, it, it's a really nice application that, that allows us to do a lot of things as you mentioned all at once and you know certainly with within uh the, this spring we, we 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 may not have the time but we may have the time you never know right and and i think that uh, giving that a shot and, and just trying something new is, is the way we, we move ourselves forward and make ourselves more profitable in the end.
0: All right. Again, we've been talking to Chris Larson. He is with Case IH. Chris, thanks for the time today. Appreciate it.
10: Yeah, I really appreciate it. Be safe out there, everyone. Thank you.
0: Yep. Thanks. All right, so kind of in summary for from our day here, talking about strip-till, we are real big believers in it. Now, as I say that, I think that if you choose to go no-till, you choose to go conventional-till, you can be successful with whatever you want to do. It's just... Each of the different tillage systems requires dramatically different management on your farm. The thing that I've always liked about strip till is just the fertility placement. I can be in that row. I can leave a nice berm for where I'm going to plant. And hopefully I'm going to do a better job planting. And probably the biggest advantage here is with those strips, it's going to be warmer. But then in between the strips, I still have residue out there. So it's kind of like a hybrid between no-till and conventional till. So anyway, again, the probably my biggest disadvantage is it does take a little bit of time. You probably need a fairly decent operator to run the machine, but that all gets easier, of course, with technology today. But yeah, strip-till is a good way to go. Been doing a lot of it on our farm for over the last 15 years. All right, before we wrap up the show today, I just want to say thanks to our production staff, thanks to all of our guests and everybody who uh, who called into the show today. Really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. And now, stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio.